We're really bringing to attention to people out in the world the issue with child homelessness that exists in our own backyard. You know, there are kids without parents who have no voice who live around the corner. If everybody were to just be nice and help everybody else, or help one person a day, the world would just be a much more phenomenal place. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thank you for tuning into this very special episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and many of you probably have seen my guest in the news recently because he did something really extraordinary during Hurricane Irma in that he took in 75 foster children who had nowhere else to go. My guest is Mark Bell. Mark Bell is the founder of Mark Bell Capital. A serial entrepreneur, he follows his passions throughout his career. Mark co-founded and is a partner of Armour Capital Management. ACM currently has over $10 billion in assets. He's also the co-founder and chairman of Terran Orbital, an aerospace firm specializing in the design and manufacturing of nanosatellites for the military and intelligence communities. Mark is also an active Broadway producer and is a two-time Tony Award winner, producing several successful Broadway musicals and plays, including Jersey Boys and August, in addition to producing several full-length motion pictures. Mark is a member of the Board of Trustees of New York University, and he also sits on the NYU Stern Center for Real Estate Finance Research Advisory Board. Mark also sits on the board of SOS Children's Village and the Boca Raton Museum of Art. He earned a master's degree of science in real estate development and investment from New York University and a bachelor of science in accounting from Babson College. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So I know you've got a really interesting background, and I'd love for you to talk to us about your early inspirations, and your journey to where you are today. I grew up in Brooklyn, moved out to uh, the Burbs for high school, um, went to Babson College undergrad, studied accounting, did my master's in uh, real estate development at New York University, uh, was a computer nerd all growing up. My dad told me there was no future to computers, become a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. So I studied accounting. Uh, this is back now in the 80s. Uh, I was very lucky when I was in high school. I worked at the very first uh, Apple computer store in the East Coast called All Things Computer. Went on to you know, follow my dream after grad school. And uh, despite my father, who ended up working for me, which is where the joke really is, started a company called Globix. Uh, Globix went on to become the largest logical peer in the world. We, had, we owned over 28,000 miles of fiber. 
over a million square feet of data center space. We hosted everybody from Microsoft to Walmart and most of the Fortune 100 websites. And it was uh, an incredible experience. Moved down to Florida in 2002, part-time, 2004, full-time. Have been uh, doing a lot of venture investing and uh, building companies ever since. So let's talk a little bit about Globix, because I think that's so interesting. One, that your dad said there's no future in computers, and then you created this this giant entity. How old were you when you started Globix? I was probably, I was right out of grad school, so I was probably 21. And it was very funny, because my dad was a lawyer and accountant, which is really what made the thing all entertaining. And so Globix was formed in 1989, if I'm not mistaken. So... This is obviously really the the big tech boom hadn't quite happened yet. Like the internet didn't really exist in the form that it does now, certainly not like it was in, in the late 90s. So take us through your time at Globix, uh, highs and lows, lessons learned, things of that nature. You know, Globix was, you know, uh, it was a startup. It went through different name changes over the years. But, you know, the, the final name was Globix, which stood for Global Internet Exchange. But a ride, you know, we were, the, we were the forefront of technology, you know, we were one of the first people to do live video over the internet. We were, uh, we had a lot of firsts or near firsts uh, online, and it was great. It was, it was the wild west of the internet. And uh, every, everything we were doing, you know, e-commerce hadn't been done before. Video hadn't been done before. So everything was new. Everything was new and exciting. And then what, what ended up happening to Globix? I, I, re- I retired in March of 2000. Uh, I made a deal with my first wife that I would, um, I would sell my stock and leave before the kids were born. Uh, the kids were born in April of 2000. Company went on uh, and until about till 9-11. And then, unfortunately, uh, you know, our main data center was located down by World Trade Center. That kind of changed things a little bit for the company. I ended up buying up back the uh, bonds in, um, after 9-11. Uh, put the I put the company through bankruptcy. I decided if somebody's going to do it, I wanted to, if, if someone's going to do it to my baby, I wanted to do it. And uh, so I led the company through a bankruptcy process, did a pre-pack with myself, and um, then sold off the assets. Any big lessons learned from your time at Globix? Get uh, terrorism insurance and uh, don't let a building fall on top of you. Yeah, that's pretty sound advice. And so then uh, your kids were born. But you, you went back into things. But did you take a little time off to spend with your kids when, when they were born in 2000? Yeah, I took off from 2000 to 2004. Okay. And then I decided, I decided it was time to go back to work. Okay. And then you started doing some other venture capitalist stuff. But I'm really interested because I can't ever remember thinking, well, a, as I'm thinking, like you, you created this massive dot-com company and yet you're also involved in producing some pretty well-known and award-winning musicals. So talk to us about how that happened. Uh, it happened as a, a little bit of a goof. I have a, a, a great business partner. His name is Dan Staden. And, uh, and, and he had a very good friend, Ricky Steiner. Ricky and Dan wanted me to produce shows with them. And I told them I'll do it only on two conditions. I win a Tony Award and I get all my money back. And Ricky shake, puts his hand out to shake my hand and goes, done deal. And we all started laughing. And my very first show was Jersey Boys. It's, it's always nice when you start off with your first show being a billion-dollar a billion hit. And uh, after that, you know, we started, I started learning the business. 
and got very uh, lucky along the way and had some great shows, August of Siege County, Rock of Ages, and uh, we turned all three of those into motion pictures. I uh, won two Tony Awards. We had a Pulitzer Prize winning play, Grammy Award winning musical. So it was fun. It was, uh, it was uh, you know, it was able to do something a little bit more creative than just being an engineer. Now, it's, it's such a wild transition having done what you originally did to that. Was your dad working for you uh, on the musicals too? No, no, not at all. <laughs> so, back, at that time. And are, are, you still, are you still involved in the theater? Are you still producing shows? Uh, I've won my show. I won a show on Broadway called Waitress, but not the producer, just an investor. And we are about to start producing more shows. So we're looking at them, uh, looking at them very aggressively to see what else we can do. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. Fantastic. Obviously, you've had tremendous success. You've done some other venture capitalist things. But what I think most people probably know you for recently in the news is what you've done with these kids who were displaced from Hurricane Irma, these foster kids. And I do want to spend some time talking about that. But what I really want to talk about first is at what point, as you were going through your ventures, did you really get that philanthropic bug? What what was it that you know pushed you that way? Was that always there, or was that something that you kind of developed as you were going through business? Uh, you know, I, I, my parents always taught me you should always give back. And and so, as your companies and your projects became more successful, what kind of things have you done? What kind of charities have you been involved with that that you've really pushed that you're proud of? Listen, I sit on the board of uh, New York University. Uh, very excited in my time that I've spent with New York University. I, was, I used to be on the board of NYU Langone's Medical Center. And it's been phenomenal watching that grow. Doing the board of Babson College, uh, my alma mater, which was great. Um, I, I founded the Bogarton Police Foundation, which has been a great experience. And, you know, uh, oh, and then obviously, you know, we donate to lots of different causes uh, that, you know, a lot of causes that help kids. Uh, a lot of causes that around um, schools, medical research, uh, trying to make the world a better place. I love that. And now let's let's jump to the present. So, what what are the what are the projects you're working on right now? Well, I guess SOS Children's Village has definitely um, taken front and center in my life. You know, a few weeks ago we had uh, all the kids, seventy kids from SOS stay at our home during the hurricane, right after the hurricane, unexpectedly. You know, that's been a focus, you know, for really bringing to attention to people out in the world the issue with child homelessness that exists in our own backyard. You know, there are kids without parents who have no voice who live around the corner. And, um, you know, it's not just something you see overseas, but it's actually here, too. I'm wondering if you happen to know any statistics off the top of your head 
and it can be local statistics to to Miami or or nationally, the percentage of children that are in foster care or that are homeless. I don't know. I know just uh, around here, there are about 5,000 kids in foster care. Wow. And so tell us a little bit more about what specifically you guys are doing with Children's Villages. You know, we're really just trying to help them. You know, we, we take kids in uh, whose parents are either uh, deceased, incarcerated, or incapable of being with their kids. And um, we house them, we feed them, we clothe them, we help them get educated. Um, but it's a phenomenal place. You know, it's true family-style living with a parent living in each house. You know, house we call house parents. We have a 100% graduation rate from high school. Um, we have 100% acceptance rate into college or vocational school. So, you know, we really are helping these kids become fully functioning adults. That is awesome. So take us through now what happened during Hurricane Irma and, and how you got involved. And, and not only what you did personally, but how you really did some outreach to get a lot of people to help out. We posted on my, I posted on my Facebook wall that I needed help. And people came, and they came in droves. And it was really very touching uh, how many people showed up, people from all over the neighborhood, all, as far down as Miami Beach, as far up as Palm Beach. About 150 people came over three days to help. A lot of people in life always talk about what they're going to do. Uh, these people actually did. And it was really amazing. You know, we often talk about, we see in the media that people are selfish, that we, we live in a, in a me first mentality kind of world. Were you surprised at how many people helped? I know you said you were touched, but were you surprised? It really was quite amazing. You know, it really was amazing how many people showed up. It was uh, people, you know, they came. Lots of people showed up and they helped. They helped selflessly. And, you know, uh, they did anything and everything that had to get done. That's awesome. And then you were able to raise quite a bit of money as well. So to date, how much money have you raised as a result of your fundraising efforts for that? Uh, about 150000 so far. That's awesome. It's, 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 you know what? Sadly, it's a start. Because the reality is, you know, the state provides us only 50 cents on the dollar of what it takes to house, clothe, and feed these kids. You know, these kids don't vote. Uh, they, don't, they don't lobby. And thus, they have no voice in the legislature to say, hey, we need more money. And this is, you know, there's a real need. These kids need help. And uh, they, have nobody to have, they have nobody to help them. So we're, that's, you know, we, we need people to step in and fill that gap. So outside of the, the fundraising that you did where you raised $150,000, the people who have come to help, what can people do to help make some changes there? You know, I mean, it depends. You know, you know, it, outside of giving money, people can volunteer and help. Go, you know, whether, it's, whether it's SOS Children's Village or any other foster care facility around the country. They need people to help them with the kids. It's not easy. You know, they need tutors. And, of course, they need you know, people to, to talk to their elected officials and say, hey, don't forget about them. Because these kids can't say, hey, don't forget about us. I think a lot of people probably don't even know where to turn to do that. It's, it's almost like it's a hidden problem because society doesn't focus on it. You know, that you, you said alone in, in the area where, where you're at, down in Southeast Florida, there's 5,000 kids. I think, think about that. I mean, that's like, 
half a basketball stadium full of kids that don't have a voice, that don't have parents or, you know, are missing so many things. And people just don't know about it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're correct. Well, I'm really grateful that you're involved in that. And so you did, I know that you're raising money. Where can people go? Where can, where can our listeners go to contribute to what you're doing? They can go to uh, sosflorida.com. They can go to gofundme.com backslash SOS Irma. To, you know, any help they give is always appreciated. And uh, there's no such thing as enough uh, because these kids have nothing. And what people don't forget is, you know, let's say we go out and we buy clothes and we buy things for the kids. Then all of a sudden those kids get adopted or go on or, or go on to a, a, family, a family member decides to take them in. And then the, another kid comes in and we start all over. So it's not like we buy things once. You're buying the same things over and over again, depending on what type of turnover you have with the children. And you're starting from square one. I don't know if you know this number, but how many kids do you think you've helped so far? Oh, gosh, a lot. There's a lot of kids we've helped. And, uh, and we continue to help. Uh, I don't know this number, but it's, I, I would say, you know, and, and easily in excess of a thousand. That's fantastic. I, I love hearing these kind of stories because, you know, again, you know, we, we believe in society that people, especially those who have been really su- successful, don't give. And you have shown us that that is so to the contrary. Uh, and I love, I love this story. Uh, and I will definitely, for, the, for those driving behind the wheel, we're going to link to the funds that Mark talked about, the links in the Daily Helping app and on our show notes on the website so that people can get involved. I want to just take a, a quick jump because I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, I, I understand that at one point you had a home and in that home you had a room that was completely modeled after the bridge of the Enterprise. Tell us about that. That is so wild. Still have that home and still have the, the room. Just, I, was, I was a Star Trek fan growing up ever since I was a kid. And when it came to decorating the room, I like, I like decorating. It's fun. You know, I like, I like creating things. And uh, so I let my creative side take over and went ahead and designed a room that looks like the uh, Starship Enterprise. That's awesome. So thinking now towards the future, thinking, speaking of Star Trek, what is the future for Mark Bell? What's next for you? You know, we're continue to work, build out our businesses. You know, we have, uh, uh, we have an e-commerce business called Kibu. We are um, we have an aerospace company called Terran Orbital. Um, you know, watching companies that we start, build, grow, become successful. Uh, love doing that, and um, love trying to make the world a better place. So I spend a lot of time on philanthropy, a lot of time on really trying to make the world a better place. For somebody listening who has that entrepreneurial bug, you've created a lot of really awesome things. What advice would you give that person? You know, it doesn't take money to help people. You can give your time. You know, to, if, if everything with everybody listening to your podcast were to help one person during the day, how many people you've helped? You know, it's so funny you say that. One of the things that I say at the end of every episode, I close with it, and I'm definitely going to at the end of this, is to go out there and do something nice for somebody else. It's that act of kindness. That's so awesome. If you know, the, this show. Everybody listening to this knows, like, my goal is to get a million people to commit daily random acts of kindness. That's, that's my goal. 
And they mean everything from helping a little old lady walk crossing the street or helping someone put groceries in their car. It doesn't have to be money. You know, not everybody has money. But, but one thing I learned, which is very surprising, as we've raised all this money, is those who've had the least amount of money to give have been the most generous. Like, I have a friend of mine who remained nameless. I know they live paycheck to paycheck, and every paycheck matters. And they gave $25. They gave $25 they couldn't afford. But they gave $25 because then I, and I called them up to thank them. And I was, and I, you know, and I said, look, you don't have to do this. And they said, you know what? I have a roof over my head. I have, I'm better shaped than they are. And they need the money more than I do. You know, it's interesting how, you know, if you see people give as a percentage of income, the more money people earn, the less they give as a percentage of their income to charities. I think that's so interesting that you shared that. And, and I can relate to that from a, a, re- a story of personal relevance. When I was doing my training in South Texas in my first master's program, after Hurricane Katrina, the schools, I, I worked for two elementary schools and they were in a very low economic uh, area of town. But one was really, really poor. The, most of the parents had no cars, they couldn't keep the utilities on. But the kids from that school gave much more money donation-wise for Hurricane Katrina victims than did the kids at the other school a little bit further down in town who had more. So, so well illustrated, very true. And, and I think we need to bring more awareness that, you know, giving is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's great to help people. I love that. Well, Mark, I, I, I'm really so grateful you came on today. I know that your time is very valuable and very limited. As you know, I ask every guest a single question when they come on the show. And that question is, what is your biggest helping? That is the single most important information for somebody to walk away with after listening to this. You know, if everybody were to just be nice and help everybody else or help one person a day, the world would just be a much more phenomenal place. You are so singing our song. Mark, I am so grateful you came on today. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Mark Bell, Instagram Mark Bell, and, or MarkBell.com or Mark.com with a C. Perfect. And we will, as I said, because you mentioned a couple really important sites, we will link to all of your information in the Daily Helping app and on the show notes so that people can connect with you and contribute to the causes that you are promoting, which are also very important. Well, Mark, thank you again for coming on today. It was a fantastic talk, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. And for all of you listening to this episode, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review because this is what helps other people find the podcast. But most importantly, we said it earlier, Mark alluded to it, go out today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.